The official sponsor for On Education's FETC 2019 coverage is Classcraft. And in light of such awesome information, we decided we needed to enlist some backup for this ad so it was as rad as possible. And since we're all here at FETC, friend of the pod Steve Isaacs is here with us. Steve, how many Classcraft quests have you made? Glenn, my entire eighth grade course is comprised of Classcraft quests. Every activity. Steve has made, Steve has made over a million Classcraft quests and they're all amazing. If you want to try one of Steve's million quests, we have an unreal deal for you. In the history of best deals, this is number one. From now until the end of February, On Education listeners can go to classcraft.com slash oneducation and use discount code ONFETC to get $16 off a yearly premium license. But that's not all, right, Glenn? Right, Mike. You'll also get a free class pack, which includes two posters and 48 stickers for all of your students and your classroom. Free, you say? Steve, how good a deal is this? Mike, this is the best deal I've ever seen. Darn right it is. So that URL again is classcraft.com slash oneducation. Use promo code ONFETC, get $16 off their subscription price, and get the class pack for free. You can open a browser, keep listening, so get on it. Welcome to day two of our FETC special coverage. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Folks, we have an awesome podcast for you today. Uh, We're going to talk about the kickoff to FETC, the official kickoff with the keynote speakers. The expo hall has now opened. And whether or not we should be coming to big conferences, we have some amazing interviews for you in the second part of the podcast. So, yeah, I mean, Monday was pretty wicked. Awesome day. We talked to a lot of great people. We're actually, I think, going to we're adding another show because we have so much to talk about that uh, we don't have room to put it all on three episodes. So uh, that's pretty sweet. Um, Sal Khan. Yep. Sal Khan was the keynote speaker. Uh, He actually kicked off the official part of the conference. And his story is just ridiculously inspirational. I mean, a guy that was in the business sector uh, was making plenty of money and decided to basically quit this high-paying corporate job to do something, a hu- take a huge risk, take a huge risk financially with his family uh, to do this nonprofit, uh, amazing, to create this nonprofit, amazing organization, all based off of a simple idea, basically, of helping out uh, first his family members and then helping out other people uh, with basically t- some sort of tutoring. That's yeah. what it actually started off as. Talk about, I mean, it's a lesson in just the way things happen. Like when you put the work in and you, he was wanting to help his niece yes. do her math. And it turns into Khan Academy, which is huge. And it's just amazing how things end up when you, when you, you know, when you're passionate about something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the moments in that, really the amazing moments that ended up changing what, basically began Khan Academy are just ridiculous. Yeah. Some people, the original founders just handing him, you know, hundred thousand dollar check to to get to kick off the company, to get it started, just believing in him. And then Bill Gates talking about how he was using uh, Saul's uh, videos to help tutor one of his daughters. So, right. And then how much he believed in that vision. They have a meeting and then now Microsoft, Microsoft is involved and Google is involved in the Khan Academy nonprofit. It's just what an amazing story. It has so many different elements to it. So if you've never heard him speak, you should definitely uh, get out there. I believe some of his... Uh, 
uh, keynotes are actually on YouTube, so you should check those out. Awesome. The Expo Hall opened after the keynote. It was pretty cool to get down there and take a look. Uh, at, you know, just we kind of rushed through a little bit. Uh, but we did spend time uh, with a couple of vendors. Just we wanted to talk to them and see what was up. Uh, really cool to to check out a lot we've talked about this before a little bit robotics is definitely a big thing down there this year um and we were we were at the kinder lab booth which was uh, a little a robot that scans blocks uh which is really neat uh one of the things i love about that is is this i love the idea of uh robotics where you don't need kids to be able to read and they also don't need devices yes i think these are two things that are super super important um and and this device met all of those needs pretty well yeah and then the design was very interesting very different than anything i've ever seen i mean they were actually physical wood blocks wood blocks that had uh some kind of scannable codes on them yep. where you could go ahead and program the the routine of the robots yeah. and within in the entire thing. And then the kids basically discover more and more types of formulas, you know, the coding types of things. So it was really awesome. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, 2019 is the year of K-3 robotics, for sure. Uh, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out. And, uh, I mean, these robots are going to be amazing. And and I, I use the word Overton window, which is generally a political for phrase but i love that we're shifting everything to the left a little bit in terms of age range um so that you know when kids are doing robotics earlier it means they can do more advanced robotics later absolutely uh, and so like the the high school robotics teachers have a vested interest in k-3 to robotics being great so that they can do uh more advanced uh more interesting things later on in 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 their in their teaching um this is going to be a big year for that, and, and this Kinder Lab stuff was really, really, really cool. The other thing that we saw in the expo hall that I, we, that was firing us up was all of the amazing things that Nearpod is doing. And so we went and checked out their virtual reality uh, tours. Yeah. Basically, uh, they've even included things, I mean, not just your typical types of virtual reality where you're uh, able to show students all kinds of locations, yeah. hundreds of thousands yeah. of locations around the globe. But also they've done this thing where if a student is interested in a specific college or university, yeah. they can actually virtually tour that to university right. or college. And then the other one, the one that was actually amazing, was they j are just adding these things with professions so that you can be exposed at least virtually to what it would be like to be a uh, medical doctor, to any types of uh, industrial engineers, anything, all these different types of careers. So you can go to check out uh, those careers and has basically lesson plans that's not just the virtual tour, but a lesson plan that kind of walks you and guides you through that. I, th I thought that was a really neat, uh, very cool stuff that Nearpod is doing. Very, very cool. So, uh, I mean, this has been awesome. We've been able to connect with so many people. Uh, I mean, we're all over Twitter in the last couple of days, which has been hilarious. Um, the, I love being here. This has been a blast. It's been great connecting with people. Yeah, and sometimes people ask us uh, whether or not they should come to these big conferences because this is humongous yeah. at FETC or whether it be ISTE or any other kind of really big conference. And really, it's just about the opportunity to be able to connect with people uh, and amazing educators that 
you would not have had the opportunity to do otherwise. And no, so you yeah. can go and just basically, you know, the best times are after the sessions are over and we're just sitting around either playing a game or eating dinner or whatever it might be and sharing those ideas and being able to kind of pick their brains of these people that are just amazing uh, influencers in our field. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's been uh, a really awesome time. And uh, speaking of influencers in our field, um, stay tuned. We'll play some back-to-back interviews. We spoke with uh, Tisha Richmond and uh, Rochelle Poth, and those will be on next. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Tisha Richmond. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super honored to be here. So, Tisha, can you just give, for anyone who doesn't, I'd be stunned if people didn't know who you are, but if anyone doesn't know who you are, give us a rundown of who you are, what you do, where you're from, that kind of cool stuff. Awesome. So I'm Tisha Richmond. I am a tech integration specialist, but culinary teacher of 22 years from Medford, Oregon. And I am just passionate about bringing joy into teaching and learning and making learning magical. That's a great segue to your book. <laughs> we it's almost gonna, like you know we, what you're doing. We weren't actually going to bring it up that quickly, but you have a book that's been out now just since a the few fall. months. Yeah. Okay. Since just September. a few months. Yep. Yes. It's doing really well. Can you tell us about that book and then, you know, something about you know why our audience should look into it? Yes, absolutely. So the book is called Make Learning Magical, and it's about transforming your teaching and creating unforgettable experiences in the classroom. And so my story really began in about 2014, where I was a teacher that was burnt out. I was frustrated. I was ready to leave education. I'd come home at night, and I would tell my husband, you know, I just I want to be a barista. Like, I want to make that pretty foam on top of lattes. Like, it sounds really (laughs) awesome right now. And so... You know, some things happened in that year, some some catalysts that really launched me into transforming learning in my classroom. And so um, one of them was I went one-to-one iPads in my classroom. Yes. And I knew that I wanted these iPads to transform learning. I did yeah, not yeah. want it to be a tool just for researching recipes or doing, you know, Google searches. Yeah. I wanted it to be transformative, but I didn't know how to do that. And so I started going to EdTech conferences. I went to iPad Palooza. I went to Miami Device that year. Um, I met Michael Matera that year. At that point, he had not written Explore Like a Pirate yet. And I just started getting very curious and excited about Mm. all of these innovative things that were going on in education and I wanted to know more about it because it was like I had tapped into this like secret (laughs) Secret thing that didn't yeah that I had didn't even know existed and so the more that I learned the more that I just started stepping out of my comfort zone and taking risks the more that my classroom started to change and the more that joy started to return to me as a teacher I started really enjoying what I was doing again and it's contagious right so if we're joyful and we love what we're doing then the students are going to be joyful and excited about hopefully what they're doing in the classroom and so my book is really about that journey and magical is an acronym. So the M stands for memorable beginnings. A is authenticity and agency. G is gamified experiences. I is innovation. C is creativity, collaboration, and curiosity. A is authentic audience and L is legacy. And so it's about how you can tap into each of those and unlock magical learning in the classroom. Sounds like a book outline. Yes. (laughs) Sounds like chapters too. That's fantastic. That's awesome. So one of the things that I'm curious about, I mean, two things curious about for you is that a culinary teacher, a Mm fax teacher, we call them in Minnesota, 
to basically kind of break out of a you know stereotypical mold is is pretty unusual. You know, I, I would say as far right. as that goes. So when you went to these conferences, you were like, I'm going to just rewrite the book on kind of the way that things have always been as far as the classroom. Is that what you know, you're going it, for? No, that wasn't really my intention. My intention, I just got excited. Like, I just realized, oh, my goodness, I've tapped into something that could really bring joy back into my teaching experience. And so the more that I tried, the more that I just got excited and curious and I just started noticing that my students were becoming more immersed in their learning. I noticed nice. that my students started to become more empowered yeah, yeah. in their learning. And so it transformed my journey so much that I can't help but share that with others. Because I know there's other teachers out there that are burnout and frustrated as well. And they're not, they Lots don't know what's right what's going on. They just, they're like, I just am done. And so I, I hope that I can inspire other people through my story that you don't lose hope <laughs> you know yes. you can restore that joy and passion again and I think too in my whole experience is I realized I didn't have to live in this silo as a family and consumer science teacher anymore because yeah. a lot of times we are we, we might be the only singleton teacher that teaches that in our school yes. yeah, and yeah. so we're put in PLCs with PE teachers and you know <laughs> exactly. and, and we feel like oh well no one gets me no one you know who else hands a chef's knife to their students but me, you know? Right, exactly. But when I started really becoming globally connected, I realized, you know what? I am. I can learn from that social studies teacher, that first grade teacher. It may not look exactly the same in my class, but I can make it my own and I can take those, those strategies and those ideas and figure out how it works in my world. And so I just, I tapped into those resources and just really started to find my tribe, those people that were as excited about what's going on as in education as I was. So one of the things, my, my second question was mm -hmm. about your transition from a teacher to a tech integrationist or a right. instructional coach, which is exactly what I did too. Yes. How have you liked that that transition? Oh my goodness, I love it. I really <laughs> love it. I mean, every day I'm, I'm in schools and I'm like, wow, like, I love what I do. It was hard um, because I love the classroom. It wasn't that yes. I didn't want to be in the classroom anymore. It wasn't that I didn't want to be around students anymore. It was really came down to, can I amplify my impact? And I, I had to ask myself that question. The only way I would leave my classroom is if I can amplify my impact. To do more, and yeah. To do more. And I really have felt that um, to be able to zoom out and to, to peer, like, you know, peer into the classroom of a kindergartner and a social studies teacher and a PE teacher and an art teacher and, and see all of these different um, age groups and different content areas and really um, see how the things that I have learned and the strategies that have worked for me, how maybe that could work in those other classes. And uh, really, I want to be a joy specialist. <laughs> I want to spread joy and, and help others become passionate about teaching and learning and so I felt that um, it's a daunting task when I'm the only tech specialist in my entire district of 19 schools so wow. oh, okay so it's, that's pretty busy incredible. it's it's it is but yeah. I it, it it doesn't discourage me it just excites me that like wow like I can really hopefully spark some sparks and start this spread of, of innovation that's so awesome. it's been awesome so you're doing a ton of stuff here at FETC. Mm -hmm. Can you 
go through, I mean, you, tons of sessions. Maybe talk about a little bit about what you're doing. Because we will have people who are listening, especially if you're doing stuff later on in the week. Are you doing more sessions? No, I'm actually done? done with my sessions, but I do have my book signing on Wednesday. Okay. So, so yes. So you're going to have a book signing on Wednesday. Talk about what you did do, though, at FETC. Yes. They were pretty interesting things. Yeah, I had um, some different workshops. So. Yeah. On Sunday morning, I had a workshop called uh, Game On, Adventures in the Gamified Classroom. And that really was a session about how um, my G of, of magical, my gamified experiences, and how I created a framework to layer over my culinary classes. Yeah. And so I um, taught three levels of culinary, and each level had a different framework. I had the Great Food Check Race, I had the Amazing Race, and I had Master Chef. And so awesome. it basically broke down each of those um, frameworks and helped um, show other educators, no matter what subject area they are, how they can layer that framework over their classroom too. And I created a game which I was super excited about. I still am super excited about. It's a card game that helped um, teachers brainstorm these ideas of creating story and kind of modeled how to create a game for your classroom as well. So we played that um, the second hour of my Game On um, workshop. And then that afternoon, I did a workshop with Rochelle Poth on infographics, which was really, really fun. And then this morning, I had a session called Game Maker that I co-facilitated with Jamie Donnelly. And we had a blast. We... Uh, just we, they created games, and so we played a little bit of the game that I created, yeah, and then we kind of created let them, a, let them oh. explore and play, and we had a really, really good time. Lots of laughter and fun. Awesome. Uh, how can people reach out to you, get in touch with you, connect with you in whatever way you do that? Yeah, so I am on Twitter at Tish Rich, and love to get connected there. I have a website, tishyourrichmond.com, where I blog write and I share my resources. I just started a Facebook page for family and consumer science teachers called uh, Gamifying Family and Consumer Science, which has been amazing because um, there's family and consumer science teachers that are really excited about this idea and are starting to really think about how they can transform their classrooms. And so those are the major ways um, to reach out to me. I am on Tish Richmond, on Instagram at Tish Richmond as well. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. It's been great. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are here with Rochelle Poth. Uh, Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from, that kind of stuff? I can do that. Yeah. Um, So I'm from Pittsburgh, and I've been teaching Spanish, French, and a STEAM course. So I've been teaching there 23 years. Uh, Taught French and the last probably 10 years, all Spanish, and a STEAM course to eighth graders, which I love because I love technology. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, So, I mean, you have the busiest schedule of anyone that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> no way. It's incredible that you're even here right now. Yes. Um, uh, you're presenting on uh, Nearpod, uh, infographics, augmented reality, virtual reality, right. and tons of other things. Um, what's getting you excited about, like, why are you talking about these things? What are you excited about as it relates to this stuff? 
All of the above. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm an 80s child. And I always say, like, I always love technology, learning new things. Um, but I'm also realistic. Like, as a Spanish teacher over the years, I would have students come back and say, oh, yeah, I had four years of Spanish. And I remember some or I remember a little bit. Or you hear adults talking about that, too. And so part of what I wanted to do was to give them more skills that they could use beyond just the Spanish. So we started to use some technology. And teaching the STEAM course, um, the first year I did that, they had me teaching hummingbird robots, like how to code a program. I had no idea what a hummingbird robot was. I felt like the hummingbird on your deck. Yeah. And so when I got really comfortable and confident with that, they decided to move that to the seventh grade. And so my uh, administrator, my principal at the time said, what do you want to teach? I said, I named augmented reality, virtual reality, digital breakouts, everything. He said, well, what do you want to call the course? I said, I don't know, emerging technology. It's pretty cool. Because it leaves it open. So for me, I just, I love learning um, new things. And I love probably the best part of it is just seeing what the students come up with and create because you learn more about them and the relationships, so you can have those conversations. Whereas if they're not creating things and having those choices, um, you don't know beyond like who they are in your classroom. So that's one of the things I like the most about it. So you have your JD. I do. Which is super cool, actually. It's something I actually considered me doing myself. Um, and I'm curious how your law degree informs your work as an educator. Um, what transferable skills you think are there uh, and what transferable skills you're getting the most value at as a teacher? Yeah, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Uh, people are so... That's what you come to on education I know. for. Well, half the time people don't believe that I'm an attorney. I think it's know? awesome. Um, <laughs> because I, I didn't go to law school first. I was actually teaching for, I think, seven or eight years. And I would have never thought about law as a career. But when I got my Spanish certification, some of the courses I had to take were in legal and business translation. And at that time, I had a teacher who was, I think, a, a higher-ranking uh, had a position in with John Deere Corporation and was an attorney. And it was just really interesting to see the connections. And I was a big fan of reading John Grisham novels and anything. <laughs> really, yeah, And I never, I've never watched Law and Order. So people always ask me that, but I just never knew if I'd be interested in it. And I did at one point think about becoming a paralegal, but I wasn't, it wasn't that I was unhappy with teaching. People thought that I wanted to quit teaching yeah. when I graduated law school. I just wanted to see if I could do it uh, first. And the one thing that I think is the biggest takeaway that I had from law school is even though I'm not practicing right now, yeah. there are tons of things that I've become better at. Uh, one of them, hopefully, is teaching uh, as a person. The teachers that I had in law school, there were some that no matter how busy they were, you would walk into the room and they'd be piled behind books and everything else and you name it. And I had one, in fact, who became a really tremendous mentor for me that it didn't matter what he had going on like he stopped and he took the time to like listen to what you had you know if you had concerns if you didn't understand something and that was when I think that kind of like pulled me back into being engaged in teaching mm. because around that period of time I think I was kind of starting to feel a little bit like disengaged with it and yeah. I, I'm not sure why but little by little I started to connect more with like how the students would feel in class if they didn't understand something or were afraid to ask a question and just saw to see or I was able to see things a little bit more clearly I guess in different roles which I hadn't for a long time. Uh, my investigatory, if that's the right word, skills are pretty pretty good when it comes to students and their behavior. Sometimes okay. I can tell when somebody's trying to, you know, not necessarily tell the truth. Or um, that's awesome, actually. You interrogated him? Yeah, no, but but it's funny because they'll ask me, you know, well, how come you're not practicing law? And I said it's not because I was unhappy with teaching. It was just a personal thing. I wanted to see if I could do it, but it does come in handy because I did take some courses in like forensic sciences and so forth. So I had a student one day who they were coloring and there was red crayon all over the linoleum floor like it was just 
smashed into the floor. Wow. Clearly not an accident. And I came over and I looked at it and I said, what happened? He said, I dropped the crayon. I said, <laughs> and then what? And it and exploded. I just looked at it. And I mean, granted, like it could happen, right? Sure. So then I took another look at it from the side from the room and I came back and I said, I will tell you exactly what happened with that. I said, do you see how it like, like gets really thick as it like gets closer to you? I said, I think it dropped legitimately. But I think then instead of picking it up, you put your foot on it, started to drag it and saw what it was doing. And then you pushed your heel down further in as you came closer and it came wider. And he started to get this grin on his face. And I, I was like, just, I, I can't yell at you anymore right now, but please tell me I'm right. Because something I learned in law school has to have like right now. And, and it was kind of funny. I mean, he then he cleaned it, of course. He's like, well, it was an accident. I said, well, that was partially an accident. So it's just interesting things like that. But it also gives me a different like perspective to think of alternatives more, I think, yeah. than I would have before. Okay. Um, analytical skills. Yeah, of course. Definitely organization because I, I still taught full-time while going to law school full-time. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how I survived. Wow. But, um you know, you set a goal, and if you want to do something and you're passionate about it, then you're going to do it. You just might be tired. That's great for your students, too. I mean, as far as them to be able to see that you went back, even though you're working full-time, right. you're busting your butt in the classroom, too, yeah. just like they would be for a specific goal. So you can actually use that as an example. Right. Too. And they, yeah. they still will say, well, why are you here? And I said, I love being here. You know? And I said, it's an option. I said, life is about having options. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never know. And I didn't want the day to come. I mean, I was surprised when I got accepted. And I was terrified that I wouldn't pass and graduate or pass the bar. But like, you never know until you try. And if uh-huh. you know, later on in life, you're like, oh, I wonder. And then what? Yes, so cool. So, so we're at the beginning of a new year, 2019. So what type of ed tech are you excited about that's like emerging in 2019? We like to look at trends as far as classrooms. What are you, what are you getting yeah. excited about? Well, the past year, I've been really interested in learning more about artificial intelligence. And I started that about a year ago, and I was surprised. I did, a, did some research and found some of the everyday uses of it and had no idea. Like, you don't think about things like Uber or like airlines. Or even like the spam filter on your email. But I started to do some more research with that. And I'm actually enrolled in the ISTU course on it now. And okay, it's, yeah. absolutely, it's phenomenal. Um, so I'm really excited about the potential with the AI. And just finding out like for education. And one of the schools in Pittsburgh just last week had a showcase where they have a middle school curriculum. It's the second one, I think, in the country that has this. That they're unrolling. And the students are involved in all kinds of AI experimentation, project-based learning. It was amazing. Very cool. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And, of course, all things AR, VR as well. Um, just anything that I can give my students more choices with. That's great. Awesome. If our listeners are interested, if they want to get in touch with you, get in contact, connecting with you, um, how can they learn more about how to, how to reach out to you? I'm very consistent. So I go back like when AOL first started with being the email provider. Yeah. I was completely unoriginal, followed the pattern of my parents and just had like a name. Mm-hmm. So mine for anything for Twitter, Boxer, email, my blog website, it's always um, R and then D-E-N-E 915. So if it's .com or it's the at, it's very simple. There you first go. name, middle, well, first initial, middle name, birthday. Very good. <laughs> no gifts required. So, awesome. Rochelle, thanks so much for joining us on the on the podcast. Good. This was pretty cool. Thank thanks. you for having me.